0: lot Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to today's Outsports Podcast. Uh, it is 22nd of June, um, second day of summer, I think. But uh, first or second day of summer, I always get confused. But the longest day of the year was uh, was last night, and uh, we're going to have on a city there. I've got confused. If you can you hear me?
1: He, my I I was trying to dial in, and there was no dial tone, and <laughs> I kind of pulled on the phone. And the cord came out of the the wall, except the cord didn't come out of the wall. The cord, cord had been severed, and my best guess is that our new little cat decided to uh, <laughs> chew the phone cord. So I had to race upstairs and get on a different phone, and here I am. All oh, those those
0: cats. <laughs> I,
1: I hope have it one wasn't who hasn't I chewed any cords yet, but, you
2: know.
0: Well, uh, we got a lot to talk about today. We have, uh, we're going to have a guest on in five minutes who's a former high school football player, just turned 19, wrote a great story about being a gay football player in Texas, and we're going to talk a lot about this amazing story we had this week that Sid wrote on Ryan O'Callaghan, who was uh, a lineman for six years with the Patriots and Chiefs. It was his coming-out story, uh, one of the biggest stories we've ever had. It's been everywhere. Ryan's the first player to come out kind of willingly since uh, 2003 a Sarah Tuolo. We got a lineman for the 49ers who came out because he was arrested and was all some issues, and that's how he was kind of outed. But uh, Ryan came forward. So, Sid, uh, before our, our guest gets on, and we'll talk more about this in the next half hour, uh, Well, why don't you talk about the reaction that, that you know Ryan has gotten? We didn't have him on the show. We wanted to give him a little bit of a break. He's gotten inundated with requests, but I know you've been in touch with him. So what has the reaction been?
1: overwhelming. He, uh, you know, he he figured he'd hear from some people, but in the first hour we ran the story, he got 400 emails and he has gotten literally many, many, many thousands of emails, thousands of Facebook friend requests, messages on his wall. Uh, It, it, uh, I mean, and everyone in the media wanted to talk to him. So, you know, what I learned from Howard Bragman, who's a a publicist who's helped a lot of people including Michael Sam come out you want to tell the story once tell it really really well and then take a deep breath and uh, you know just kind of do what media you want but don't feel like you have to talk to everybody because your story's out there you did it once you did it the right way you did it your way and so you'll hear from him. He, he's been on uh, Dan Patrick's Show and SI now, and he'll he'll be doing some more media. And, and uh, but you know, at this point, he just wants every opportunity he can to help people and engage with the community. And I know if he, if you write him an email and it's a personal email, he will eventually get back to you. It might take weeks, but he will eventually get back to you.
0: Well, I mean, we're, we'll, we'll talk all about this. It was it was a great story. I really do have to read it. it did an excellent job um but i think we have on the line with us our guest are you there austin
2: uh yes sir i'm here
0: austin you have to speak up it sounds like you're in a wind tunnel or something
2: okay give me one second one second
1: <laughs> well austin's adjusting somebody's himself in <laughs> somebody's in the car hear me now yes
0: we can hear you now
2: all righty yes sir how are y'all
1: well
0: great austin how are you uh this is jim and you're on with jim and sid and uh it's been football week at Outsports. We had your story on Monday, high school football player. We had Ryan's story um, uh, a day later. By the way, have you got a chance to read Ryan's story yet?
2: Yes, sir. I read it today this morning when I woke up.
0: And what was your reaction?
2: He's got. He he really had a pretty tough story, but and he went through kind of a lot of the same things I did. Not totally. He I think he probably went through a little bit more, but he he really had a great story, and I loved how. I don't know, the part when I got to how his, uh, I guess his GM reacted to him when he hugged him and uh, he went to put out to shake his hand and said his GM hugged him, and I thought that part was amazing, and they kind of cracked up laughing about it, and that, that part was, I think, the favorite, my favorite part.
0: Uh, before we go further, I want to uh, introduce you to, to our uh, listeners. This is Austin Hodges. He's calling from, uh, from Texas. Uh, which part of Texas? Anilak, Texas, uh, which is where he went to high school, small town. He wrote a great story about being a multi-sport athlete in high school, but also on the football team and how at halftime he donned makeup and danced with the drill team, and uh, it, w- it was just a great sort of affirming story, and uh, Austin, like, uh, like Ryan O'Callaghan, really came, you know, talked about suicide, and I think in your case, Austin, you wrote specifically about that uh, you actually made it a, you know, that it was something you had thought about.
2: I, not only did I think about it, I actually attempted it. Luckily, it was a it was a failed attempt, and I I, pl- I went to sleep that night hoping to you know go in my sleep. But I woke up the next morning, and you know, I decided that instant that nothing would ever bring me to that point again, no matter what it was. And I decided that no matter how dark it ever got again, I would always find the light or the positive in everything I did.
1: Austin, I've been talking a lot about you today and yesterday because. There's a question that I keep getting from people in the media about whether Ryan O'Callaghan, as a gay man, would be accepted in the locker room of an NFL team today. And I keep pointing to your story, saying that if this high school football player in Texas can be accepted by his teammates, i got to believe that men who are making millions of dollars and are professional and college-educated could accept a gay teammate in the NFL is just just to clarify, you were accepted in your by your your football team as being gay, right?
2: Yes, I I went into that locker room every day and nobody ever gave me a second look. Um, I was just like every other kid in there with the same goal to win at whatever sport we were playing. That's in sports, it's that's the main goal. You just to get out there and have fun with your, with your teammates and your friends and to do the best that you can at whatever sport you're doing. Um, I think with Ryan O'Callaghan that I believe that was probably the same thing. He may have thought that, you know, like he said in the story, how he never would take showers with teammates. Um, but with me, I mean, I took a few showers with mine. I mean, nobody ever gave me a second look. I just kept my own, and, you know, I gave them the respect that they deserved. And in that instant they gave me the respect that I deserved as well.
0: And in your case, um, you had had difficult acceptance from your family. So, so your, your your sports became your family, and you said there were some coaches that that basically kind of saved you from uh, stopping sports, right?
2: Yes, sir. Uh, in my uh, my in my seventh grade year of middle school, I actually had one coach that approached one of his superiors and told him that he didn't think that I should be allowed with the other boys in the locker room, and that I shouldn't be allowed in men's athletics and uh one of the other coaches that I found out uh that found out I didn't know any of this was going on at the time pulled me aside and talked to me about it and he actually surprisingly became my first ally. Uh his name was Jason Bourne. He actually messaged me a few days ago saying why asking me why I didn't use his name and it, I told him that I didn't want to, you know, have his job on the line or anything like that and, you know, he was actually kinda of upset that I didn't put his name in my story. Uh but yeah. He, he pulled me aside and told me that he supported me and that he would do everything in his power to make sure that I got to stay in athletics and continue playing sport. Of course, it never came down to that, but, you know, just just by him saying that, it really it changed my aspect on the male figure itself because before that I didn't really trust male figures and because, you know, it's, I don't know kind of the way I was treated by them. But after that, it's like I became to trust them more and more because of the respect that he gave me that day. Uh, I became probably one of his loyalist athletes after that because, you know, just how cool he was. The rest of my coaches were awesome all through high school. My my uh, my girl coach for my cross-country team, she, I had a girl coach, um, she was awesome. She became a total, like, uh, maternal figure for me. Uh, she always supported me. So did the teammates. They became, like, family. When I'd get stressed out, I'd go run, and that was, like, my off time. And so I got the cross-country my track coach, he uh he was always so tough on me, but he he was tough for a reason. And uh, he really, he gave me the leadership skills that I needed. And to be surprising, I know I didn't put it in my story, but after everything went down with my family and all, uh, my mom, after a few years, she she's now come to fully accept me and how I am. My dad, he's still coming around. Uh, and it's going to take him a while, and I totally understand, and I'm willing to give him that time. But my mom, through high school, she was also uh, one of my discus coaches for track and field. It's kind of surprising because normally your dad is the one that coaches you in sports if you're a boy. But for me, I had a mom that coached me in track and field along with my school coach, too. So they were they were both really good teammates in coaching me. And, but, yeah, that my track coach was really a father figure for me.
1: Well, Austin, I, you know, Austin. The people – find it impossible to believe that that somebody in Texas who's gay a teenager could be could be widely accepted and supported and and they find it even more difficult to believe that any of this could possibly be true in football of course Jim and I know talking to so many athletes that this is the this is the uh, this is kind of the rule now and, and and rejection is the exception to the rule can you think of any times when any of your teammates or coaches uh, rejected you or made you feel uncomfortable for being gay? Was there a single time?
2: Uh, In middle school, because, you know, middle school is kind of that time and era where kids are still, they're hitting that puberty stage, and, you know, they're still really immature. You know, they're starting to come into themselves and really trying to figure out who they are and what they are and what they want to do with their life. Um, I would say if any time that I ever experienced rejection, it was probably in middle school when I first, you know, when my co when my coaches first found out, I experienced a little rejection of them. When, when I first came out in high school in ninth grade to all of my teammates, I, mean, my, I think my teammates knew before then, but when I officially said it in high school in my ninth grade, uh, I think, you know, I may have experienced a slight rejection. Not really rejection. I wouldn't call it rejection, actually. I would call it more of a uh, just an uneasiness. Like, they weren't sure because, you know, they've never experienced it before. It's never been heard of. Uh, so... They were just kind of, you know, it's, it was unexpected, and it just kind of surprised them. And so there for a little while they were a little uneasy, but once they come to realize that I had the same goals they did and I was still the same person, that, you know, they ended up becoming some of my best buddies and our best friends.
0: Well, and talk about what, what we began your story with, um, which was explain the whole drill team thing and what happened as soon as the halftime uh, gun went off when you were playing as an offensive and defensive lineman?
2: So drill team, it was, that was a really good experience. I didn't, I got into that probably my sophomore, junior year. It was, I didn't do it my freshman year, but sophomore, junior year, I got into it. Um, I figured out that I wanted to do it. You know, I always saw the drill, the drill team out there dancing, drill team is totally separate from cheerleaders that I might add. Um, They're more of just like, I don't know what to call it. They're drill team, I guess. Um, But so, you know, I knew I would be performing during halftime, so I, I knew it was coming, and as soon as, the you know, the buzzer went off for halftime, coaches knew where I was about to go. Um, they were a little uneasy the first time because they didn't know what the crowd was going to do because, you know, it was core core values, you know, South Baptist. Um, but, you know, I went over there, and everybody was kind of watching me. They noticed that I wasn't following the team to the locker room, and they were like, okay, well, this is a little different maybe he's doing something with the band or you know whatever but I ended up going towards the drill team and getting in lineup and the girls started doing their makeup and I they started doing mine because I never was good at it (laughs) um and so I got you know ready and uh halftime was ready to go everybody's on the field so the our captain started blowing her whistle and you know we started marching out the field and I was in line with him and everybody was just like "Uh uh-oh what is about to happen here And we ended up – started dancing and doing our high kicks and stuff, and it was just amazing. The crowd was – I wouldn't say they were in support of it, but they – I guess they didn't boo. So, I mean, you know, the community probably wasn't in support of it, but I had the school's backing. I had my coach's backing. I, you know, I had the backing that I needed.
1: That's that's great, well, they they might not have supported it totally, but they didn't boo, so it was so I was happy with it, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're at the uh, University of Houston now, is that right?
2: Yes, University of Houston. And
1: and and you're in a fraternity. Tell tell us about joining a fraternity and uh I, have, I assume that they just totally accept you uh, for for being gay, yeah? I mean, they must. They, they walk you into the fold. My
2: fraternity story is actually kind of different, surprisingly. Okay, so I went into college planning not to join a fraternity. Didn't want to do it because, you know, all the stigma around it. And, you know, I figured, you know, I would never even make it through the rush period or the pledge period, you know, because, yeah. So, uh, but one guy from this fraternity started, yeah, because it's hard, cause started messaging me and just, you know, tell me about the brotherhood and everything like that and, you know. All this, all the cool stuff, and I was like, you know what? I think these guys. I think I might actually match up with these guys. So I, I went into rush period, and I made it as a pledge. And now I went through my whole pledge ship. I didn't. I wasn't out during my pledge ship because I was worried that you know I'd be dropped or um, I'd be kicked out, and they would not decide to actually initiate me. So I went through my whole pledge ship kind of quiet, um, not out at all. I mean, I was. I didn't act any different. I just didn't verbally say it. So, but once I was initiated, uh, at the end of my pledgeship, which would, which goes from like September to November, at the end of November, before Christmas break, we were all initiated, and I waited till quite a little while after that, actually. It was probably, no, probably maybe a month or two after that. The guy that actually originally texted me, talking to me about the fraternity, I told him first. Um, I took him to, a, we went to a coffee shop, and he, uh, it was just really I don't know. I told him. I was like, dude, I got something to tell you. I need to get off my chest. It's been bothering me. Um, and I don't want to lie to you all no more because, you know, one of the big things in our fraternity is being truthful and, you know, having that honor. So I ended up – I told him, and he was like, dude, I had no idea. I was like, really? You really had no idea? I mean, I did kind of give a few little signs. I mean, I'm not. I'm not very flamboyant as it is, but I'm still not the most masculine man you meet. So I was like, really, you had no idea? He's like, no, I truly had no idea, dude. He's like, but dude, that's so totally cool. I was like, you know what? Yeah, so he was totally cool about it. And then I asked him how to approach the rest of the chapter because a lot of the members in our chapter were, you know, they're really hardcore. Um, They weren't raised around uh, gay people or to be accepting gay people. But, you know, since I went through pledge kind of, I guess, in a straight sense, I guess you'd say, and I was really, a lot of them described me as kind of like hard as a nail. I was just, I was a tough kid. Since they all knew me as that tough kid beforehand, they like totally were just like, okay. me. they're like, dude, you were tough as a nail then. You're just like the rest of us. You're no different. So, I mean, what does it matter? And they were all totally cool with it.
0: Well, that, that's, that's, that's a wonderful story. And also you've gotten, you've gotten a lot of reaction and when you first wrote me, you said you're going to be you were being flown out to speak to the NSA. I thought oh, it has to be the National Scholastic Association, but you're going to be speaking to the National Security Administration. Did I get
2: that right? I, I think so. He emailed me and he told me that he would like to have me. He, would, he told me he would like to speak. He would like me to speak to his new employees that they just hired right out of college, and he said. He gave me all this information and he asked me to, you know, find a date. He said it'd be fully paid, like flight, lodging, food, everything, so I don't really know how so this is the I, I guess. The he didn't so- really say a place. But No, but it's the national he, security administration.
0: Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> that's that's fantastic. You could be but you don't know what you're talking
2: about? No. I, I'm guessing it's gonna be my story. <laughs> I really don't know how I relate to that, but I mean, I was totally, you know, let, let's go for it. And then today, uh, HR lady from Boeing uh, in Houston emailed me and asked me that if I'd come speak to her or come speak to her and her employees there. Um, I've gotten quite a few other emails from universities across the nation to, to if I'm ever even in the area or if I ever have time to, you know, come out and speak to some of their students and things like that.
0: And you're 19? Oh, so, yeah.
2: Yes, I'm 19.
0: <laughs>
1: Well, wow. you're you're going to be a sophomore at Houston?
2: Yes, yes. Sophomore at the University of Houston this coming year.
1: Well, running the NSA and Boeing while going to, to Houston, that's pretty impressive.
2: <laughs> I, I know. I, I really don't. I'm still kind of blown away by it. I just figured I'd get, you know, one article and a little bit of feedback, you know. It ended up getting on posted more than, like, I don't know. I think I counted when I went and just searched my name on Google. I was never able to be found on Google, but now I'm like everywhere, and I just I didn't expect all of the, all of the feedback that I've gotten. I've gotten so many emails from both younger generations and older generations, surprisingly, telling me that they you know they wish I had the that they had the spunk that I did when they were way younger, and some of them telling me about their suicide attempts and you know they didn't attempt it, but my story still helped and things like that. I've gotten so much feedback. It's just it's amazing. People
1: people put their stories on Outsports, and I think they think we're just a couple of guys in a cabin in Montana somewhere with about eight <laughs> followers, and they get somehow shocked that people actually pay attention to their story when they share it.
2: It was it was amazing. It was amazing.
1: Remember to
0: drop our name when Outsports when you speak to these groups.
2: <laughs> oh, I know. I've dropped all kinds. Of, speaking of today, um, one of my I don't know if y'all know about the organi- – have you ever heard of Out for Education?
1: No. I doubt y'all no. have because
2: you're, you're not from Texas. Okay. Well, in high school, it was really funny, just kind of off topic here, I guess. In high school, I applied for an LGBTQ scholarship in high school. Um, I just happened to run across it on Google, and it was, uh, you know, and it was in the Houston area, and I applied for it. And, I, you know, I didn't think I was going to get it because I was from a small town. I didn't have a whole lot of stuff and, you know – your kids in Houston would have more than me. Um, I applied for. I ended up getting the max amounts they give, and when that was announced at my graduation, it was just awesome because people's faces were like, "Oh my gosh, you won a gay scholarship!" and it was more than <laughs> everybody else's. And that organization itself, since I moved to Houston, has become a part of my family too. They're really they're great people.
1: So now all your all your former all the people at your former high school are gonna start coming out so they can win that win that <laughs> exactly. award. You know, actually
2: that's very surprising that you say that. The year after I graduated, like five people came out. <laughs> I ended up texting them all a few weeks ago. I was like, Really, y'all made me go through high school by myself and do all the hard work and then y'all gonna come <laughs> out after me? We all laughed about it. It was hilarious.
0: Well awesome, I know you have to get to work in eight minutes, um, but we really appreciate being on the show. You told an amazing story, and you're a great speaker. You'll do, you'll blow, you'll blow them away at the NSA. Just, to, just to do some little drill bit, and they'll love
2: it. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, we want to thank Austin. you for being our guest. Good. Uh, and Austin, thanks so much. And uh, your story's going to resonate. It'll be out there a while, and uh, it just, uh, it's a wonderful thing you're doing. And uh, we, we know our pass will cross. You got to come to our Outsports event next year.
2: I want to. I wanted to come this year so bad. I just didn't have the, you know, the necessities in order to do so. I really wanted to. I know uh, the editor that I was emailing back and forth with. He, he really wanted me to come in to the.
1: To that's the, me. Uh,
2: the, the, oh, that's you. <laughs> huh, that's right. My bad. I know wow. you really wanted me to. I know. My bad. I'm so sorry. Um, I know you really wanted me to come to the event, and I just I'm sorry I couldn't make it out. But next year I'm definitely going to try to plan for it. So I'm going to keep my I'm going to keep looking for the dates. so that way I'll know ahead of time, and I'll I will definitely try to make it out.
0: Uh, we will track you down. Don't worry.
2: <laughs> and if anything else comes along, uh, if anybody else wants to speak to me or story-wise things like that, I'll let you know, and I'll I'll keep emailing you. Keep in touch.
0: Awesome. Well, Austin, uh, have a good day at work, and uh, we'll talk to you later. All
2: right. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye.
0: Bye bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Our legion of editors, the the 20 editors we have (laughs) that contacted us, either you or me. That's funny. (laughs) If
1: if I get disconnected, my cat is now attacking the phone cord again and won't let go. So just FYI, if you lose me, I'm gone.
0: Well Austin just had a great story, is really articulate, um and, and so I think uh you can tell he's gonna do, he's gonna do well in life. He just I mean Boeing yeah. and the NSA, we haven't gotten invited to speak to them yet. What's their problem?
1: <laughs> <laughs> we we don't have stories like his.
0: Yeah, that is true. He's... Um so let's go back then to the Ryan O'Callaghan story and um one of the things Austin talked about was was the power of his coaches and stuff, and in uh, Ryan's case, it was uh, people with the Chiefs, trainer and Scott Pioli, and those people really just saved his life, right? Especially the one trainer. Yeah,
1: well, yeah, yeah. Ryan, when somebody asked me if Ryan hadn't been addicted to, to drugs, would he, would would he be alive today? And uh, and it's something that he, that I think Dan Patrick asked him as well. David Price was the trainer, the head trainer for the Kansas City Chiefs, spent a lot of time with Ryan because Ryan Ryan had a lot of injuries in his career, and so he was always in the training room. And David got to know Ryan, and when he noticed that last season with Kansas City that Ryan's, uh, Ryan's behavior was becoming uh, strangely erratic, he, he, he knew what it was. He'd seen it before, and so sent him to a, a therapist, Susan Wilson, who was working with the Chiefs who over months uh, fig- found out that Ryan was gay and convinced him that he didn't have to kill himself. And then, you know, so, so the support from a couple family members and Scott Pioli <clears throat> kind of sealed the deal. So, yeah, the the the, the those three people and the chief staff saved his life. I there's I I I I am pretty confident in that. I think I think Ryan would I mean certainly there's a good chance he'd be dead right now if he hadn't been with the Chiefs and David Price hadn't seen something and Susan Wilson hadn't been the right person and, and Scott Pioli wasn't absolutely pitch perfect when he came out to him. So I know, you know, I'm going back and forth on Twitter with somebody who called these people heroes and of course somebody has to come on saying, no, only, only heroes are military veterans. No, there are heroes show up every, every day of our lives. And some of different people save lives in different ways. And I think those three people uh, are heroes. And I think Ryan is a hero being able to do, he didn't have to do this. He could have just lived life and gone about his, 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 his life, but he decided he wanted to help somebody. And I know from the thousands of emails he's gotten, he already has.
0: Well, and I do think, I think sometimes the word hero is thrown away, thrown away just randomly. But in this case, if, if the trainer had not been paying attention if he had simply been distracted or, or didn't care this probably you know we don't know if Ryan would be around with us right now and it takes people at critical points in your life to make, to make that kind of a difference and, and they basically saved a life that to me is very heroic but also shows the power that these that these people have in these organizations um and also for Ryan that, that you you had said i think I don't know if you wrote it or you said it that you know has already heard from one uh one father who had basically disowned his gay son. And after reading Ryan's story, he now wants to reconnect with him. That's really, that's, that in and of itself is powerful.
1: Yeah. Again, he's gotten thousands of these. And, and, you know, fortunately I wasn't able to get a hold of David Price before I wrote the article, but he called me yesterday, randomly, his wife was tweeting at me. And so we chatted and so I kind of wrote a story with his thoughts and, and I hope you go to Outsports.com and take a look at that because David, you know, he's, he, he was the first person to catch this. That was, something, was, something was wrong with Ryan, and, uh, and, and it was interesting because David said that, you know, we had trainers. We uh, were just misunderstood by people. If, if, he said, if, if, if I have to come to a meeting, it's bad news, and he had nicknames like Dr. Doom and the Grim Reaper because if he's showing up at a meeting, it means somebody's injured, somebody's going to get put on IR, uh, and it, it it it's not a good thing. And he said, just to, he said to be able to st- be a part of such a positive story with a positive. Well, I mean, a, a, a rough story with a positive ending. He said, I literally made his entire year.
0: And it also seems like Ryan's going to be <clears throat> paying it forward. I mean, he, I just sense you may know more that he, I, he's going to be someone who's going to be speaking to youth groups and high school. I mean, his story is so powerful that. And what's most powerful about it is this idea. And we've run into this more. In, is that he said uh, he had not heard any gay slurs in six years in the NFL. Correct?
1: Yeah, that's gay slurs. Yeah, that, that, that's right. He, he, he heard some off-color language, but nothing that was really hateful or, or 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 came to the point of a slur.
0: So, and we've heard this before. That, that again. It was all internal with him, it was the internal battle. It was the whatever internalized homophobia you have from growing up in the society because outwardly no one ever suspected or gave him crap about it. And so we, we see this all the time, and we saw it at our Denver uh, event where people would talk about the first step for me was to accept myself. And I think Ryan was that in spades because he, came, he had a whole plan of how he was going to end his life. I mean, that was, the, that was the amazing thing about that story to me.
2: Yeah,
1: but this again, we hear this over and over and over again. People just beating themselves up, and, and, and it's 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 from that's how we're raised. It's what we see on TV. We're we're told by our parents that we're gonna, if you're a man, you're gonna marry a woman and have two kids. So you know, it's 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 this it's not just it's not the the homophobia is not something sports created.
0: Exactly. It just exacerbates it because of the perception that, oh, my God, it's not possible. We see in cases like Austin, at a tiny town in Texas, in a tiny high school, he was totally embraced by everybody to the point where he can dress in makeup and dance with the drill team. And I know that's not possible everywhere, but it was possible at this one school in South Texas. So it's a lot more re- you can realized than, than uh, we think. But I'm sorry to have to end it now. We could talk about this for a longer time. And uh, Ryan will probably have a Ryan with a guest sometime, maybe in the football season when things have calmed down. But uh, we're both gone for the 4th of July, and we'll talk to you in two weeks.